G'day, my name is Mark Ackroyd, Head of Advice Delivery, Strategy and Innovation for Lumiant. Welcome to another episode of Lumiant Live, the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values-based advice experience, but still have that question, how does it all work? The Lumiant Live podcast connects listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lifts the lid on how they made it happen. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Schmig, Senior Financial Advisor of Creation Wealth in Sydney. G'day, Andrew. Hi, how are you, Mark? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Thank you for joining me today. Um, so for everyone that doesn't know Andrew, uh, let me tell you a little bit about his practice. It, it, Creation Wealth typically deal with what they like to call wealth manager type clients. So they're small business owner and professionals. Um, they have average investable assets around 300,000 up to 3 million. In the practice, there's two advisors and two support staff, and they manage 100 contracted clients who pay on average a fee of around $8,000 a year. So Andrew, today um, we're excited to get into this client example that you've brought in for us, um, where you've brought to life a values-based advice experience. So tell us a little bit about those clients and, uh, and and what your story is. Yeah, well, basically, you know, I've got a, a whole range of clients, you know, some almost coming on 15 years that I've been their lead advisor. So uh, really, there's two ways we're using the Illumiant Values process. It's very easy for the new clients. Um, but for us, where we've really found some fantastic results is actually with our existing clients which I was surprised by. I thought it would actually be quite hard to raise this with existing clients. But very quickly, I found that, you know, my clients trust me to innovate and to come up with new ways to find what's relevant for them. And uh, I found very quickly of just simply saying to clients, hey, we've got this new process. It's actually helping us to recalibrate what's important for you and what you value and to ensure that our strategic advice is aligning with you. And uh, I've never, basically, they trust me. And that's the biggest thing I had to overcome is my clients do trust me. If I tell them this is something we're going to do and I see value in it, they'll participate. And uh, I had a particular client whom I think, you know, one thing I've learned in this process too is never prejudge what your client may think or do or tell you. And, you know, this client to many people would appear as an extremely wealthy individual, someone who had a very successful business, plenty of cash flow, and lives a very good lifestyle. And going through the values exercise, I was blown away by what they put as their number one value, but what was also their number one concern. And it really helped me just to unpack, you know, what drove this client personally. And the biggest thing that came up for them was to spend without guilt. And in my own preconceptions, this would have to be the one client I thought would have to least worry about how they spend their money. But it was a good process for them to articulate to me what they worry about. And at the same time, what they want and what was really the key you know, for this particular client is they've worked very hard for over 30 years to have what they want. And, uh, yeah, explain that a lot of people actually pass judgment on him in, in, in his life as to how they live their lifestyle. But at the same time going, no, I deserve this and I want to be able to enjoy my lifestyle now with my family, how I want to do it. And that is what was actually really, really important to him. And it really helped us to understand 
okay, well, over the next year, we're actually right at the stage now of doing a pretty major new strategy for this individual. So it really helped us to then start to understand, okay, well, what are we doing? What, you know, what we've talked about previously. And it didn't, it didn't obliterate the work we've done previously. It actually reinforced it. Most of the time we're on the right track. But if anything, I think it really gave us that final bridge to um, really link of what we've been doing tight with what we're going to do next. But now we can really see what the end result is and what outcome we need to achieve from a strategic advice perspective to actually achieve what this client wants, what this client wants to give them peace of mind and enjoyment and fulfillment. So it was a fantastic process. And even, you know, this is a person who, you know, is very, as I said, very successful in business. And, you know, the feedback after the session with them was, they said, this was brilliant. They said they've, they've never experienced a process like that. It hit the nail on the head. And that was awesome to hear. And I must admit, this was one client I was a little bit apprehensive about doing the process with, but I could see very early on in the process, they were, they saw instantly what I was going through and actually very appreciative that I wanted to, you know, use a different angle to find out what was important to them. And they wholeheartedly participated and it was a really good outcome. That's, that's so, that's so great. So let's, um, let's play back right at the start. And I might start from your perspective first, because I assume when people are thinking about, so when I say people, when advisors are thinking about um, implementing a new experience, um, and in this instance, using the, the Lumiant tools, you know, one of their biggest concerns is with their existing clients and you know, whether or not this is the right thing for them, should I just start with the new people? You, you mentioned you were apprehensive. Um, talk us through that feeling. Uh, let, let's start to normalise that. So where were your concerns and how did you talk yourself through that to eventually put it in front of the client? Yeah, well, it's quite funny when I look back on it going, yeah, my fear was that I'd unearth something that you go, oh, maybe I should have asked this before. And the clients would go, oh, you're asking this now. We've been a client of yours for eight years and now you're raising it. Yeah. And that was actually my biggest fear. And then, and then I, I rationalised and just thought, well, don't hang a second. You know, we talk about innovation all the time. And, and I just thought, this is another way that we're innovating. And, and what I found has been really helpful with my existing clients is, you know, most of my clients I've seen a six-monthly review. So what I've been doing is saying, have a review meeting and do my normal review meeting. Then I've said, hey, you know, we've got this new process and most of my reviews are normally an hour. So, and I can't do this properly in an hour. I feel I need an hour and a half with my clients to do it. So what I've been doing is I've been seeding it in advance, well in advance of saying, hey, I've got this new process. Um, it helps us just to recheck in with what we're doing for you it's what you value what's important to you and i think it would be and, and for me to say with position to go i think it would be really helpful for us to go through it together and let's let's schedule that in for our next review meeting and we schedule in an hour and a half for our next review meeting and so when they and it's on the agenda so when i'm then coming up to the meeting um they know that i'm gonna and i don't tell them much about the process i don't tell them there's cards i don't tell them I just say it's a values exercise. It's really funny. And I think it's a testament then too. Here I was fearful of, you know, what clients would say. It's interesting as I just talk aloud right now, I've never had an existing client go, oh, but what is it? No, they're just hearing me saying, I've got this new process and we're going to go through it. And they just go, yes, okay, Andrew, great. Put it on the agenda. Yeah, yeah, we trust you. So if you've got a new process, that's okay. So what is it that you physically put on the agenda? 
I just say our values exercise. Yeah, great. And no one's, no one's asked. Yeah, num- num- number one agenda item, values exercise. Yeah, that's so cool. And then, okay, so let's, let's fast forward. You're, you're in the meeting now with this client and you go to introduce the values exercise for the first time after they've been a client for, for however many years. What is it that you're saying to them to introduce it? So I'll say, if you remember, you know, I've talked about this new values exercise and I'll give some live examples and saying, look, for some of our clients, um, it's just reinforce that what we've been doing is right. For some of our other existing clients, it's actually unearthed some new things for us to work on. So let's get into it. And then, you know, I explain to clients and look, I've been, if, if I look back, back historically, I go, we, we were very much a goals-based business. So we were very, and still are, you know, very good because I saw prior to this values exercise, I saw, you know, the way I was approaching clients was most clients had nothing written down about what they want to achieve in life. So we really have been very strong. For a decade, I was writing goals for my clients and we were a goals-based business and very particular with how I wrote my goals, you know, we'd start with two. So you want to generate a recurring income of X amount by age, whatever you want to save X amount for a home renovation. So we're very good at writing specific goals for clients and then working towards those. But again, the nature of that is, is you're stuck with things that are measurable that are again are financial and very objective. And so we've had great success with that, but it misses the emotive side. And this is where then, yeah, as we go through that exercise with the clients and, and they see straight away, it, it's picking up on things we just haven't talked before and it's giving them, I find the best thing with the cards is it's, if I, th- I think if I was to ask these questions, people would be quite confronted maybe sometimes. And, and the other thing I've got to battle with too is I'm naturally a very objective person. Now, the, the, the skills in the industry the emotive, the subjective skills are something I've had to learn to make that connection with people at an emotional level because I'm just not naturally an emotional person myself. Um, But it's a great tool that gives it a bit of an arm's length element, but the freedom that the clients can then just talk themselves and you're there to listen. So let's talk about the experience with this client that you've brought in. You're going through the cards and and for those that haven't seen the exercise, they, they, they get a set of cards and they have to pick their top five and then prioritize the top five. So you go through that. What's the conversation you're having along at the same time as they're doing it? Are you, are you coaching them through it? Are you sitting there in silence? Um, and then when they pick the card, what, what's the first thing that you, you sort of go with? So the, ask them to pick their top five. And I, I tell them, take time to read through them. There's no right or wrong combination. And slowly pick your five. And then it's the discipline of zip. I shut my mouth and and lean back in my chair. I'm very conscious of the body language I give. I lean back and I'm very relaxed. I'll even slouch a little bit. And it just shows, okay, I'm I'm serious. I'm yeah, I'll push myself back from the table and give them the space. And it's actually quite amazing. You can really see people taking the time to think through them and select their their cards. And even once they've got the five, I still keep silent for a little bit longer because you then see they're processing, they're they're reviewing, they're checking. 
And then occasionally one goes, oh, am I, it's funny, they go, oh, am I allowed to change one? And you're like, yeah, sure, it's your top five. But it's because, it's because I've made sure I've stood back to give them that space to think. Yeah, both physically and and non-physically as well, right? By, by, through your silence. Yeah, yeah. And then we start, now to explain the process, all right? Well, then order them. So put them in your, your, your first preference to your fifth preference. And then we start talking about, all right, I'm going to ask each card, why did you pick it and what does it mean to you? And again, the discipline of just, you've asked the question, shut up and just listen. <laughs> And, uh, and and give them the time to chat. And, and what I actually find is I actually feel the clients just freely talk more than when I would traditionally say in a first meeting, ask someone a question. You know, I was getting much shorter answers. But I think, yeah, you know, I don't know whether it's too, you know, there's an existing relationship here as well. But, yeah, you know, and they can just see we're just listening. We're just listening. Yeah. And in this client's instance, they, they picked spend without guilt, which was surprising for you based on their balance sheet and would be surprising for a lot of people if, if I assume they came across that scenario. Tell me about the conversation that occurred then. So you said you, you would typically ask, why did you pick that card and what's important about that card to you? What, what did they say and how did you have that conversation with them? Well, they just started telling about how they grew up and you know, the journey they had to create their business and the sacrifices they had made to get to the position they were in. And I really, look, I, I think I was quite fortunate with this one in the sense that because I just was quiet and just listened, they just kept talking and talking and talking. And and it's a, it's a discipline of, if someone's just talking and talking and talking, don't interrupt. Yeah. And and, and and that's what I've actually found the best thing with this thing is actually I'm not finding I'm having to do many prodding questions. The tool, the tools given there, and, and because I've set the framework and, and it's almost like, yeah, one spouse will keep talking and talking and talking. You can see the other one. If anything, the one you've got to manage is then the other spouse chipping in. But then again, I find quite often... It's the spouse saying, hey, you're going to have your turn. This is my turn. And, and, I, and, and I openly joke with clients that I'm going to put my marriage counselling hat on. Yeah. You know? I'm not qualified, but yeah. um, and I'll say a bit of a joke. But again, yeah, it, it, it's all, it always gets a giggle. Yeah, well, that'd be a fear for many advisors, Andrew, you know, that they need to be a qualified psychiatrist to have some of these conversations or a marriage counsellor. Do, do you feel ill-equipped to have it or, or are you finding it that the clients are are doing the job for you through their conversation. Yeah, there was another client where a couple that we were doing and, you know, the wife said, wow, I ne- I've been married, I've been with you for 13 odd years and I never knew that. And they both thought, and you could tell at first it was a little, they were a little bit awkward and I just, and I just went, this is great. I said, this is what we're doing this for. It's to look at new ideas, new direction for us, new things we need to be considered of. And because I was relaxed about it, and I think that's a key thing. If I started going, you know, showing my body language of, oh, crap, these guys are going to have an argument and, and I don't know what to do, I think that would make them uncomfortable. But again, because I was relaxed and I reaffirmed that, hey, this is exactly what I want out of this session. I want you guys to be surprised. And then that opened it up even more. And I think that 
then you really saw they both embraced. And what I then found interesting in that example, as I recall, when they were talking, they weren't actually talking to me, they were talking to the spouse. Yeah. Yeah, and that I think was very powerful. And you could see the other spouse was just listening and that, and it really became this, I was a fly on the wall and they were talking amongst each other and that's invaluable. And, um, you, know, and you know, we went through one spouse, we went through the other spouse and, you know, they both at the end of that system, they just went, whoa. And then what, I, what I've always done with my existing clients is I've then asked I asked for permission. May I paraphrase back to you what I've listened of what I've heard and get their permission. And I think that's important because then it's not me telling them, it's me saying I'm paraphrasing. And I'll say to them, correct me. I'm going to paraphrase what I've heard and taken out of this today as your advisor. And I want you to correct me if I've said something that's not right. Wow. So, so tell me a bit, tell me a little bit more about that. So when you paraphrase it back, what's, what are you looking to do there and, and how do you find clients engage with that approach? What, what are they saying to you? I think it's, it's a point to make sure I've heard correctly what they intended to say. So in, in the instance where we go back to the client who wanted to spend without guilt, I explained, well, you've told me that you've grown up, you weren't financially you know, um, comfortable when you were young, you've built your business, these are the sacrifices you've made. You've now achieved this in your life and it's important for you to spend in a way that you actually, it's not that you're frivolous, it's that this is how you are actually, if you look at most of it, this person spending, it's with family and going, well, that's because that's what you value. That was the second card, you know, support those that I love and going, yeah, so, you know, and, and saying, yeah, I, I, und, I, I have I heard correctly? And then the other thing I'll do too is I'll explain to them as well what I've picked up. So the, the biggest one, the other one that I've had with a few clients where, you know, they, they're in a home that they say they're comfortable with now and we've got an investment strategy, but they put living in a better place as their top card. And it's funny, again, it's never because they want a bigger house or a prestige or they want a bigger house because of bigger value. The most common thing I've picked up with the ones who will pick, oh, they want to live in a better place is because, or if it's a bigger place, it means they can entertain more and entertaining that spending quality time with people that they love, having family around. That's what drives them, but that's what living in a bigger place means. It's got nothing to do with finance. It's got nothing to do with ego. It's got nothing to do with showing off. It's actually, there's a reason and and just listening. And then that's where, and there's another couple I think of where they've been a client of mine for about five or six years and, and a very, really interesting, a couple who are both very objective um, very numbers driven and, and you know we've had this investment strategy you know working for a while and we actually found for them and and they, they always told me they were content in where they live but that was them being very objective about they've got a home that has two bedrooms you know appropriate for their family yada 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 but when they unpacked it and said well actually a bigger home for us is we can spend more time and host our family and that was so important to them both. And it's completely changed. We've just said, all right, now's the time that we're going to cash in that asset. We're going to cash in that asset. And, and you can afford to buy a bigger home. So now, because we were stuck for, in a great example, we were stuck for five years. I wouldn't say we're stuck. Objectively, we're going, a bigger home is a bigger non-deductible mortgage with bigger repayments. 
versus you right now, you're in a home, these guys had no mortgage, no non-deductible mortgage, they had investment debt and go, well, cash flow is great. But it came down to going, okay, it is so important for you. And we, we, are, we were able to articulate that actually a bigger home is gonna bring you more happiness because it's going to, going to enable you to do things that you can't do right now. Thus, now having a non-deductible mortgage again is actually quite irrelevant. That cost and for the happiness it'll bring you, that happiness is far greater than that non-deductible debt. And you, you know, you're you going to pay off that mortgage. We've got a plan now. We can see how we're going to pay it off. But they, they now have the biggest space that they wanted as a young family. And... Yeah, you know, and, and so when I paraphrase back too, I'll tie it back of going, well, we've done this strategy in the past and, and it's nice to reaffirm and go, actually, that strategy was good. But then I'll also go, from what I've learned, this is where we got to change. This is the new opportunity for us to investigate. So me paraphrasing it back, I think is very powerful just to make sure that I've heard it correctly and that they essentially go, no, Andrew, as our advisor, You've, yeah, you got it right. You've articulated it well. Yeah, yeah. And I've got another example where we did it and it was with a client where when I paraphrased it back, like there was nothing new out of it. There was nothing that changed. But it was the client that then said, this has been fantastic because it's just confirmed what we've done for the last few years. It's perfect. Yeah, sometimes it's not about, you know, changing changing the world. It's just about confirming that everything's okay. And uh, as you've shown with the other examples, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As, as, as that client said, they go, we are on the right track and it confirms we're on the right track and thank you, we're on the right track. Yeah, perfect. We'll take yeah. it. So um, I want to I want to go into the the probably the bit that goes after the value session and, and maybe we can talk about your spend without guilt client or even the clients that you just mentioned around... Um, the non-deductible debt and how, you know, it, it was actually going to get them more happiness to go back into a mortgage. Because a, a question on many advisors' lips would be, I can provide a financial plan with the old goals-based approach, right? Like with just getting them to articulate their goals. I don't need to go into the, the values and understanding the why behind everything to do my job. So if I pose a question to you, Andrew, What's been the impact of doing the value session for your clients' engagement with their strategy and for the strategy itself? You've mentioned it's changed things a couple of times or reaffirmed things. Like, What's been the difference when it comes down to getting to the strategy? Well, I think it's, I've always used the analogy and I've used this for a few years with the clients are saying, I'm your chief financial officer of your household. Now, let's use an analogy. We're running a business. It's your household. You know, you go into work, you go into your business. You're very disciplined with how you manage your finances and business goals and KPIs there. And you don't do the same for yourself. So my job is to come in and be that CFO role. Um, and that got the clients understanding. That's, that's how I transitioned really from being a product solution-based advisor a decade ago to being the strategy yeah, and I say, you know, use the analogy, you're the board, you're telling the strategic direction, I'm telling you how to implement. Um, and I think what this has really done, it's really it's just completed that we are advising you on your whole life. And it's been really interesting. We've just taken on a few new clients from a retiring advisor. 
And it stumped me that all those clients, when they're meeting for our handover meetings, the talk is all about the performance of a portfolio. You know, we've done 6% why, or we've done 3% why. In my client review meetings for a number of years, I rattle off performance. We talk about performance for two minutes. You know, market's down, your portfolio's down 2%. Yeah, okay. Market's done that. It's the strategy. And, and I think that's where many advisors are still struggling with getting out of, I'm a portfolio manager. I'm not a portfolio manager. I'm, I'm the general practitioner of your finances and I'm not a property expert. I'm not a share expert. I'm not a bond expert. We then go specialist for all of those, but I'm the one coordinating it all. And really none of those guys, they're all the ones dealing with the solution. None of them understand how that solution actually fits in with your greater picture and your strategy. And so the values exercises really, I think, help to complete that holistic strategy is, yes, we've got some clear direction as to where we're heading and what we're going to do, but we know how and why that ties back to what are you here for in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. And do you find clients resonate with that more so than the, the previous approach you used to have? Yeah, I think, I think the previous approach was... It was working, but it just didn't touch on the emotional side, the comfort side. So I think this in involving in these values, it, it, it and, and look, everyone's different beasts as well. So I think, you know, the, the challenge with the goals-based approach we were doing previously was generally, you know, typically opposites attract. So naturally in a couple, you've got someone who's the objective thinker and one who's the subjective emotional person. And that's why they're together as a couple. Um, so if anything, what it means is we're now covering all bases in a couple because you've still got a person who's naturally objective. And, 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 and so traditionally, it was the objective thinker whom I always had that main relationship with because me naturally being an objective thinker, there was the connection. And the objective thinker tends to be the person looking after the finances in the relationship and the other partner was along for the ride. But now we've truly got this approach that, and we're still doing our goals based. We're still writing our still goals. Still need it. Yep. Yeah. The exact same way. But we've now got two tools that ensure we capture all aspects of a, a particularly a, a, a client who's a couple. You know, we're really now catering for, you know, the, the person who's more subjective and emotional and still tailoring. And it's very easy when you're dealing with numbers to, make objective people happy but it's just complete it's a holistic package and 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 re- and i think with some of the clients too particularly for the person who's traditionally that objective thinker to to have that recognition that and, and you quite often find a lot of those clients they do kind of lament a bit that their spouse isn't interested and, and they do feel sometimes that there's a burden on their shoulders because they're the ones worrying about all the bills and the future direction but it has brought the clients together that you know that person now understands what's driving their spouse. And so again, as a, you know, we're doing with the strategy, well, these things we're doing help to cater that, but it also then has, you know, given that other more subjective person an understanding of, okay, well, how does all this work together? You know? Yeah. Just saying you want to, um, you know, volunteer my time. Yeah. Lovely to do, but there is a cost to that too, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's understanding the, how all this interacts. Yeah. I love it, Andrew. There's plenty of tips there that we'll summarize shortly. Uh, our final question always on Lumiant Live is uh, a bit of an offer of a, a tip or a, a suggestion to those that 
you know, maybe you're considering implementing a values-based advice experience, or maybe they've just started on their journey uh, and they're, you know, they're still ironing some kinks out. What would be one tip that you would give to, to a peer in the industry that, that's going through either starting at a values-based advice journey or are about to? I'm pretty passionate is that values-based advice is what will keep financial advisors relevant. We are living in a world where computers can risk profile, decide a portfolio and invest clients' money and we are no longer needed, okay? So what a computer can't do is understand at an emotional level and connect with someone of what actually drives them. And so I feel once you understand that, yeah, portfolio management, assets, like let's be honest, we have no control over how those perform. We've got control over asset allocation. That's generally accepted in our industry. Um, computers can do that for us. But this is now making and ensuring that we are future-proofing ourselves as a profession and very excited that we are truly on the path to become a, a proper profession in equal status with lawyers, accountants, and um, you know other professionals like that. But this is what I think will mean that we will remain relevant in a world where technology is doing so many other things that we previously had to rely on humans to do. So um, it's, I believe it's the way of the future of advice in this country. I love it. I love it so much. So we've covered a ton today, Andrew, uh, starting with one client and going through so many of your, your passionate client stories, which is, which is so inspiring to hear. To, to recap from a best practice perspective or a tips perspective, you've You've offered things to us uh, like how you include the values exercise on the agenda for your existing clients and your new clients to get them ready to go. You've taught us a little bit about how you introduce it around how you're always looking to innovate. You've taught us those little tips around your body language as people go through the values exercise to give them that physical and mental space. Um, and you, you've taught us about how you reaffirm their behavior and and how you play things back to them to, to let them know that you've listened, but also to get their sort of buy-in into the strategy as well as, as to why you're doing things. Um, there's that plus a ton of other tips, Andrew. I'm sure everyone listening will be really grateful for your time. Um, so uh, thank you so much for joining us today and, uh, and have a great day. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Absolute pleasure.